Welcome to the midweek Mission Ridge podcast known as Footnotes. Footnotes is here to give you some of the stuff that we didn't have time to cover in the sermon and encourage you to dig in deeper as you study the text. So let's dive in and check out what's in the footnotes. Welcome to another episode of Footnotes. Glad to have you with us today on the podcast. Jennifer Bartlett. Hello. Robbie Croyle. Thanks for being here. Yeah. He's here, too. Let's do this. Let's go. Oh, my goodness. And then Logan, of course. Wouldn't be footnotes without Logan. Absolutely not. We want to know what we were doing. I am so glad you're here. (laughs) No, no, you wouldn't. And I'm thinking about that now, and it would be hilarious. One of these weeks, I'm going to be gone. I'm going to teach you guys how to record footnotes. One of these weeks, there just won't be a footnotes. No, 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 no. You guys could record footnotes on your phone. Oh, we're going to have fun with that one. It'd be a ghetto recording. You just like slap her down in the middle of the room and just go for it. I now have a microphone we could use. Yeah, you could do that too. Mm-hmm. That would also work. There's options. There's options. Nonetheless, that's footnotes this week. Thanks for joining us. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you know how in the uh, Greek plays they would sometimes the character the didn't have any speaking part, and so they just have this cut out, and they bring it out on stage. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we will totally have a cut out for you. Oh, that's yeah. good. <gasps> that would be like the time we did Sermon Club, and we just had a cut out. That we was so fun. We had a so picture fun. of you pasted on the, the Deadpool head that, for yeah. some odd reason, is in the church office. Where else would it be? Where else know. would you put the picture taped on the Deadpool head? I, it seems like a good picture, a good place to have a picture of Rob. Yeah. Anyway, so the, yeah, that's. We, we need to get sound bites of you before you disappear. Just pull them from past episodes and you can put them in? No, we mm. need you to record them beforehand. There's no oh, way okay. I'm pulling them from other episodes. That's oh. too much work. Oh, okay. <laughs> no. We'll be doing the most. No, we'll do a laugh track version of Logan. Oh, geez. <laughs> Just get all my favorite catchphrases. That slaps. A lot of me, yeah, sure. The one that I got from Kyle or, you know, fantastic. That, I've been saying that a lot, too. Hmm. Here's a fun little, I don't know, do we have any shortcomings this week? There was, there was Kyle sitting in the front row with with his mask hanging from his ear. He forgot that's where it was at, so he took his spare mask out and... And it, put his, his spare mask on... Yes, I didn't see that. And the whole time, his he had the mask, the original mask that he was wearing, hanging from his ear. I, I noticed his mask was that. hanging from his ear, and I was like, "Kyle, put your mask on." Yeah, post service, he was like, "What is going on here?" And then he's like, "Why did no one tell me?" <laughs> and and Anne just rolled her eyes. So, I completely missed that. So that told a story in itself. Like That's wonderful. maybe. Maybe Kyle, maybe she did tell you. I don't know. I That's, there was a story there somewhere. I don't know totally. Oh man, what the story was. It was. It was. I'm gonna pretty ask funny. them at college group tomorrow. That's this, gonna be wonderful. This is why Kyle, Kyle isn't here, is because he doesn't want to be shamed for wearing two masks. Mask and a half. My goodness. Yeah, for losing his mask. That's like the old guy who loses his glasses when they're on his on head. his head. Yeah, that's wonderful. It's yeah. not just guys, dear. Yeah. Well, the, yeah. the trope is the old man. Yeah. Although, yeah. let's be honest, my mom does that way more than my dad, so. Yeah, mine too. Yeah. Sorry, mom. 
We'll let the cliche stand though. Nonetheless. All right. So yeah, as far as but like here's here's something that here's something that was pointed out to me. And I'm you clapping about, back on your eh. you you talking about sound bites got me thinking about this. In what other public speaking event do you make like when you're normally listening to somebody mm-hmm. and in a non Christian context? How often do people do the response sounds? You know, like you hear somebody talking, you're like, hmm, yeah. Yes, amen. Right? Oh, that's good. Right? We got these little chirp backs mm-hmm. that we expect in a church setting. Yeah. Um, or, and and I, I realize I do this all the time. And somebody pointed it out to me. And now it makes me lose my brain because I'm like, hmm, dang it, I did it again. Mm. Dad gummit is the internal like track that's going on in my brain as I'm making these noises. I think about that culturally. It's 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 totally a Christian culture thing mm-hmm. of but you go to like a black church? Oh, there's a lot of response. And and, and they're not so, shy about it and they're oh. not they're not trying to self-regulate like they like we sometimes ask for Feedback. We'll ask a question, and everybody's doing the rhetorical nod. Yeah. You know, I'm like I didn't ask for a rhetorical nod. <laughs> I wanted. To... I want. I want an actual response. Yeah. So hmm. sometimes we don't get it when we when we ask for it, and with the mask, it's even harder. I can't. I can't tell our lips moving, and I just yeah, can't hear the, the words. The little mm, doesn't really come through with the mask. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So at any rate, yeah, it's uh, it's interesting from a cultural standpoint. So this week's shortcoming might have been you because you're making all of these noises or not making them. You're not making the noises. Or not making enough noises. As long as you just don't don't use the come on. I don't come, like that. Come no, on. No. Yes. Stop so that. Good. Oh, I'm so glad I know you don't like that. <laughs> this day this day just got infinitely worse. So infinitely happy. worse. I'm like giddy as a schoolgirl. That's terrible. That's Come that, on. That's Come that that on. right there. That right there could probably get you excommunicated. Which is conveniently our first topic <laughs> to talk about. <laughs> Way to just oh hard turn, hard turn. Yeah. So Shoot I use those the, gears. Uh, I use this First Corinthians five passage in the sermon. Which Rob, what was your response initially when you saw that I had chosen that one? I was wondering how much damage control I was going to have to do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. I was like, well, it's only one service <laughs> to have to worry about because the first service was was my wife. It was it was a it was a lowly attended first service. Mm. And so you're listening you know, to this and you like early mornings, come join us in first service. Oh yeah. Plenty of space. You have a we, whole row to yourself. We are spaced. Do you prefer the blankets so that we can just You know, I think I got a couple things laying around my office. We could probably make you one. Thanks. Absolutely. Yeah, you picked uh you picked a tough passage to to preach in and it's in the content worked well with the whole tension of Shvela and Mm -hmm. and that conversation, and we'll talk about that. This is one of those, I didn't really pick it. 
It picked me. It picked you. Yeah. Because I was I was struggling with how to connect the two concepts that I was working with. Because we were talking Shafela and we were talking connect to God. And I knew I knew that like these are these are connected and they need to be connected. I need to bring these together and communicate these, but I didn't really have a good connecting piece. Mm. I couldn't really figure it out. I just I was wrestling with it. I'm wrestling with it. And then Friday evening, I think it was. I end up talking with uh, with Josh Croyle. Actually, we're we're sitting there and having a big old conversation. One of the things we brought up was the this week's LTG passage, um, and so we brought that up. And we got to talking about that, and then that got me percolating on the passage, and it clicked in my brain that oh, Paul's talking about living intention, yeah, of living in this this culture that is incredibly diverse and mm-hmm. a mixing pot. Which sounds a whole lot like living in Shafela. Right. Yep. <clears throat> yep. So No, I thought it was an excellent choice and and I like the way that you uh brought that into the conversation. This passage brings up this this idea of, of someone who is in is in gross sin. Mm-hmm. Someone within the body, someone that uh should have some maturity to them. Yep. And and then they're in gross sin and for some reason they won't they won't turn away from that. Yep. And Apostle Paul says, Don't even associate with them, don't talk to them. Where do you get the idea of X communication to stop the lines of communication with this person? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I want to talk about this for a couple of reasons. Uh, one being the, I feel like uh, excommunication, the idea, the way it's played out in churches, um, typically lands on two extremes. One being, yeah, that's not who we are at all. We're never going to break conversation with folks. That That's just not who we are. Or people who are trigger-happy in applying this mm-hmm. process and 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 apply it maybe uh, liberally. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a church in another town that I've lived in and that, man, I think excommunication was something they were doing on the regular, which seems off. Mm-hmm. That, mm-hmm. Seem, that seems off. That seems out of balance. Yeah. Lacking so, some grace. So, so what's happening in sec- in First Corinthians is news makes it back to the Apostle Paul that someone has taken on his father's wife, and they're in this sexual relationship between either son and and mom or son and stepmom, mm-hmm. and Paul says not even the heathens would do this. Like this is. Mm-hmm. Like the heathens get that we shouldn't be doing this, and yet you guys are are so enamored with grace that you don't know how to call out gross sin. And so he says, "Don't talk to this person." You know, like we're gonna, I'm gonna pray that the enemy, Satan, will will oppose this person. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
and so that you know, uh, if they don't turn from what they're doing, that you know it'll cause six you know sickness sickness or something along those lines. You know, a, maybe a job situation, mm-hmm. maybe death, but that the spirit of the person would would be preserved. So this isn't a salvation issue. This is a conduct issue, mm-hmm. according to the Apostle Paul. In the Second Corinthians, in, in chapter two, he seems to follow up this conversation and saying, "Hey, how fantastic is the news that this that this man has turned from what he was doing?" Right. And and he says, "And now is the time for grace. Now is the time for you to receive him in, so that you don't you don't cause do undue harm." And so that's the goal. The goal is always to uh, restore a person. Yeah. And um, and protect, ultimately protect the name of God. Yeah, I think that's, and, and I hope that that was that was the this passage can I've I've seen this passage used as a mallet to beat people over the head. Um. In a very unchristlike manner, right. and so I was a little nervous about using this one actually, just because I didn't want it to be. We hear that we lullaby affect it and get dragged off into whatever our preconceived notions are, uh, and miss miss the point of of what I was trying to get across there with this passage. Well, especially if anybody has been through any kind of excommunication process and had this passage used as the reason for sure for that action yeah you know that's that could be a very that could be re-traumatizing mm-hmm. yeah well and, and once again i think it, it's and maybe this is just because it's a you know it's an old letter and it's it's you know been translated from from greek to or whatever was it? It was Greek originally, right? It's possible it was written Hebrew, and then all the transcripts we have are Greek. Yeah. Um, so, anyways, translated from one language to another over the years. Um, not saying that it's been translated wrong, but the way people talk can be clunky. And depending on the translation that you're reading, whether you're reading NLT or you know King James or ESV or what what's the NASB is that the the Rob choice what's what's Rob's favorite this, that's one of my favorites one yeah. of, one of Rob's faves um <laughs> so depending on depending on like even just within that translation you can read your I can read my common like my English understanding into it and possibly possibly take that in a a wonky fashion and say well I can't talk to my buddy Joe anymore because, well, he was, he lied one time. So he's out. Well, and I... Because it's not, it, he, he brings up all these other things, not just sexual, sexual immorality, mm-hmm. greed, well, idolatry, et cetera. Yeah, so I've seen, the, I've seen this used incorrectly in addressings uh, whether it be uh, a theological difference, you know, 
I mean, at one point, the church, you know, the, hundreds of years ago was was killing people over what over things that they said or taught. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, so at least we figured that part out. Um, <laughs> praise God for that. Positive direction. Yeah. Um, so we're not doing that. But but still, there's I think there's this tendency to use this passage incorrectly. I also see churches not using this passage correctly from the standpoint that they seem to spend more time talking about people outside the church and their conduct mm. instead of talking about people within the church and their conduct. Yeah. Yep. Which is the opposite of what Paul is saying to do here. Right. It's Paul, literally the opposite. He says this is not for this is not for the person outside. Yeah, I do not judge the people outside the, outside the church because that's like taking a shower before you take a bath. It'd be before like us coming to Christ, we don't have to clean ourselves up in order to come to Christ. We don't mm. have to live like Christians in order to become a Christian. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Okay. We yeah. come to Christ. He's the one that changes us. He's the one that redeems us. It's that godly community that teaches us how to live. Right. And we don't dare tell people, well, you change, and then you come through our church doors. That is the wrong message. You come to the church doors. That's the hospital. Right. That's where you are made well. That's how, that is the power of the gospel. Yeah. Well, and so many people already believe that they need to change or be better before they come to church. Like, they don't need the church and the people in it reinforcing that lie. Like, Yeah. Yeah, that's just a falsehood. Yep. Yeah. Nice. Nice. And this is a, you know, like I said, this is, this is Paul talking about living in attention. Um, This is a, Real-world application of the church in Corinth is a, a great example of living in the concept of Shephelah, mm-hmm. uh, not just living in the actual geographic location of Shephelah. Uh, so that was obviously another big big part of the, the conversation there, uh, being Shephelah. So let's talk, let's talk a little bit about Shephelah in a segment known as Abe to Dave. <laughs> Take it away, Rob. I feel Come like we should on. have some bump music for Abe to Dave. <laughs> Denied. Denied. Shafela, Abe to Dave. Is there a music <laughs> artist named Dave? Because you could transition whoever that is to like Dave Matthews. And That's it. I was just gonna say like you would use Dave Matthews. Right. That would be the Dave. Right. But who's the Abe? Is what? I'm oh, I don't know. Just a transcript of the Abraham Lincoln. Gettysburg Address or something. That's why I was thinking that. Four oh, score and seven years ago. And now the Dave Ma- Matthews fart. Uh, come on, I want to hear this. I have no idea. Wanna, uh, I'm actually not a big Dave Matthews fan. Wow. Like, I, I don't dislike them. I just don't listen to them. Interesting. Very much so. We mm. have squirreled well. Oh. I'm just I'm 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 waiting for you to come roaring back in with the actual content. <laughs> <laughs> no dead air here. <laughs> oh, I'm not saving you. Oh. <laughs> oh so, uh, 
we the first person that we see deal with this tension as Fela is is Abraham. Mm-hmm. And in a lot of ways, he he handles that tension well. Uh, the, the people come to respect him. Him living in this land. Him living yep. in this land, and he represents his God well most of the time. Now the. Uh, the one time that doesn't work out is is when he uh, lies to Abimelech, has his wife lie to Abimelech, saying, "No, say you're my sister." Mm-hmm. That's the one time that that he doesn't live out that tension well. But at the end of the story, with even with Abimelech, uh, they recognize that that he is a priest, in a sense. Yep. That he represents God to the community at large, and so so Abraham handles this pretty well. But from there, it seems to degrade. And when Israel enters in, into the Promised Land, Shvela is the one area that they really don't conquer like they're supposed to. Shvela and then the coastal plains. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so all the stories that we see with with uh, the Philistines, this is where Israel isn't handling this engagement. And, and really the rabbis came to recognize this. Um, and <clears throat> you know, it's just... An interesting conversation, but um, this became a concept because the rabbis looked back on their history and they said, "We didn't handle this well during this time mm-hmm. uh, in our history, and we need to do a better job here today." Yeah, it became in, in our present whatever Shvela looks like today, and it's no longer about winning culture wars or battles, but but it's about uh, representing our God in this region. Yeah, it became a, a I think I, I've heard Marty say it was a, there was a phrase of how's your, you know, it was, it was a question, how's your Shefela? Hmm. That you would ask somebody like, we, the, the Christianese version of this would be like, how's your walk? Right? Mm, how's yeah. your connection with God right now? Well, the, this, it would be a phrase like that of how's your Shefela? Or maybe, how's your witness? Mm. Yeah. How are you? How are you living out the tension of for them of wearing those? You know, the tension of the tassel, so to speak. Right. And so, some of the let's talk through some of the ways that uh, the church has historically, Big C Church has historically engaged or or dealt with Shvela. Mm. So you talked about avoidance. Yeah. Right. Yep. So we'll that, squirrel ourselves away. Mm-hmm. Yep, we'll we'll go to our Bible studies. That Bible study will never change faces. Yep, year after year after year, it's the same people. Yep, we see this on a, a big, like big, big C church level on issues of science and all sorts of things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's usually usually science, some sort of scientific study that we're butting our heads up against. Yeah. Um, sure. You know, sure. And and we we just avoid it. We turn and try to ignore it. 
Right. But there's been Fingers some. In our ears. There, but there's been some issues too, like the issue of dancing, the issue of playing yep. cards. There you go. You know, <clears throat> where we're like, oh, we don't do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, first church I was a part of. You know, when I, uh, when Christy and I got married, we couldn't we couldn't dance at our at our wedding. Really? Because we hosted it, we hosted it downstairs. Oh wow! Yeah, and wow. there was no dancing allowed. You know, so that's that's a that's a form of avoidance. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like we may dance incorrectly if we dance, and so we're just not we're not going to engage that. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes I, that's sometimes avoidance is sometimes that's wise. Sometimes it's wise if right. if that is um, look at the uh, so church in Corinth again example. There you've got all sorts of guild. Um, guild feasts that are occurring. So Paul later goes on and he talks about idle meats. Right. Right. This is the conversation there of, do we eat this idle meat that was cheap because it was used at this guild feast sacrifice, but it might tell the wrong story? And that that right there is another great example of living in this tension. And so sometimes it might be it might be wise, it might be prudent to say, yeah, nope, uh, we're not gonna we're not gonna touch that. Um, right. right. We're going to stay away from that one. Right. Other times, it might actually be hurting you by saying, no, we're not going to dance at all because it might get inappropriate. Yep. Just to use that. Yeah. Yeah. So so avoidance um, can be overused. Uh, sometimes we over-engage and we engage so well that no one can tell that we're a blue tassel in a white tassel world. Right. Yep. And so that's that's the other extreme. I know for myself, that's that's the side that I would err towards. Um, and so I have to be aware of that uh, as I live in Shafela, so to speak, of that just you got to, what am I doing to actually stand out? Right. Right. And that that was my concern when I looked back on my retirement from the military. I was in the same squadron for twenty years, and and did I engage so well that they they did they, they didn't see a difference? But I was the de facto um, chaplain of our squadron, Robbie the preacher man. Hmm. You know, and you know, I had some Bible college. I'd always done ministry at a high level of any church I'd ever been part of, uh, mission trips. And so if we didn't have a chaplain for an event and they need somebody to pray, I was the guy. Mm-hmm. And it was just, it was just, so I, I was in that sense, I was a blue tassel in a white tassel world. They, they right. knew that I could help them connect to God even if they didn't even fully understand what that meant, they knew that I could help them connect, which is what a priest does. Right. Nice. Nice. And that's, you know, so this brings up this last idea of, of why do we need to disciple people to connect with God? Like, why is that even a conversation? it's a little awkward. Yeah. It's a little awkward, a little uncomfortable sometimes. What, is, like, what, what, what does that even mean? 
And I think in terms of the first few chapters of First Corinthians, where the Apostle Paul over and over and over again uh, highlights the the Holy Spirit and mm-hmm. His role, okay. and in even the fact that He didn't come to them in wisdom, which is a very Greek thing, or in persuasive. Paul doesn't come to them. In Paul, yeah, yeah, Paul doesn't come to them with persuasive words or with wisdom, but in the power of the Holy Spirit. And so he's he's actually discipling the the Corinthian church on the role of the Holy Spirit. And you can see this conversation just kind of rise to the surface over and over and over again in First Corinthians, right. because they are used to this physical world. The things that they could touch, the things that they can manipulate with their hands, the things that they can smell, the things that they can taste, sure. they they understand that. Yep. But they don't fully grasp what does it mean to connect with God? What does it mean to depend on the Holy Spirit? What does it mean to to pray or or to worship? And these are spiritual acts. And and so when someone comes to the church and and they didn't grow up with this and and this isn't hasn't been part of their conversation for 20, 30, 40 years, mm-hmm. we have to teach them these skills right. that are spiritual in nature. Yeah. We have to disciple them in, in how to connect to God. Right. Well, that's, I mean, that's so much of, I know from my story, I picked that up from my parents, from my grandparents, from an early age of that's what you do, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody's got their own liturgy. You, you, learn, you learn the liturgy through your experiences with those that are raising you, etc. And so if you come to Christ, if you come into the church, you join that, the fellowship, later on, you're now starting from ground zero in a lot of ways. Right. Um, yeah. You you caught these skills without even thinking about it. Sure. You didn't no one said or or probably to a lesser degree that someone say, Hey, let me show you how. Yeah. Right. Who taught you to say amen at the end of a prayer? I don't know. My cousin always said I'm in. That's what he thought we were saying. See? Yeah. I, I've heard some people that, like, the first time they prayed, didn't know how to finish it. Mm-hmm. Sure. Right, because if you didn't grow up knowing you say amen. And with a... Why not so, say I'm out? I'm out. Right? Or uh, <laughs> So they, they, they get to the end of this thing, and it, it's just kind of the awkward silence, and everyone else is waiting for the amen, and it's crickets. That's awesome. And then finally, they I, if I remember right, they threw a, so thanks. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's not like you're writing a letter and yeah, signing a, your name. Like. Or a, okay, bye. <laughs> well, it's, out, it's, it's like the classic trope you see on the movies where they, they quote a bunch of lyrics mm-hmm. from various artists. You Fantastic. Know. <laughs> Love it. My cousin's <laughs> cousin... Uh, we used to play basketball probably when I was 20, 20 to 25, played basketball uh, with my cousins a, 
a ton and with their cousin. Uh, he played on the basketball court. He played linebacker. Awesome. Oh, my favorite position. I'm rolling my eyes. He was. He would hit you hard. <laughs> it's the worst. He yeah. He took the no blood, no foul thing to the extreme and made sure you you bled every time. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm gonna make sure that as long as it's not a mortal injury, there was no foul involved. So he did not hear the name of Jesus until he was in his 20s. Wow. Wow. Never actually heard the name of Jesus. Had no concept of God or Jesus, Holy Spirit. Blank slate. Blank slate. Wow. Absolute blank. And, and, and that's some people's experiences. Mm-hmm. Sure. Or it's a or it's a mishmash of pop culture Jesus reference, praying off at of Talladega Nights. Then you got to unlearn, so you can disciple some people sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> dear sweet baby Jesus, dear nine pound eight ounce baby Jesus. <laughs> still my favorite. Still my favorite way to open a prayer. Oh yes. <laughs> Okay, maybe we don't we don't gotta unlearn that one. <laughs> Shake and bake, baby. Christmas is coming. <laughs> <laughs> the goose is getting fat. Mm-hmm. Time to put the penny in the old man's hat. Uh, now I just want to go listen to Christmas songs. Fantastic. Shocker. Huh? Shocker. I I am shocked by that. Yeah, this is my shocked face. Oh, that's a good shocked face. He looks very shocked. The most shocked I've ever seen him. Yep. Very, very shocked. Anyway, well, wonderful. Cool. So that's Shafela and First Corinthians and uh, the awkward unnaturalness of discipling people, you know, to connect to God. So cool. Hit us up with any questions that you got. Love to continue the conversation. Holler Absolutely. at us on Facebook or something. We'll start a comment war. That'd be fantastic. Yes. And if not, we'll see you next week. Peace. Bye. You've been listening to Footnotes on the Mission Ridge podcast. For more information about Mission Ridge, please visit our website at missionridge.church. Thanks for tuning in. We hope the rest of your week is straight up hashtag blessed and that you'll join us again next week for more footnotes.